And also, uh, we have the historian uh, Nicholas Camuset, who, who uh, wrote his book, and I'm going to mispronounce this, uh, Promptarium Tricinian Diocesis. Uh, I'm not good with other languages or Latin, but uh, yeah, so he, he kept detailed records of, of the ancient archives from the Diocese of Troyes. Uh, he wrote this history in the early 1600s, um, and he expressly wrote about the Leary Church, about Henry de Poche and how, he, as he was the bishop, he approved of the activities of Geoffrey I. Uh, he records about Pierre Darcis specifically and his dispute with Geoffrey II on the Shroud. Um, but yet, interestingly, there's a complete omission of the transcription of this memorandum. Uh, there's no mention of an inquiry that took place uh, in the 1350s on the Shroud. It's just completely absent. Um, so I, I think this is suspicious. And, and we know from history that there would be no re We would have every expectation for him to mention this uh, if it was in the records. They, they weren't destroyed by the English in war. Uh, the city of Troyes was left untouched, even though the region itself was, was under attack at the time. Uh, there was no raging fire that destroyed their records or that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I think this is problematic. Um, and lastly, uh, in the internal evidence note, Bishop Darcis was a meticulous lawyer. We, we have other documents, as I've mentioned, from him where he carefully cites uh, documents and any quotes from these uh, to support his cases. Um, but funnily enough, with the memorandum, we get none of that. There are no documents uh, from this inquiry that took place, alleged inquiry that took place. There's no quotes from Bishop Henry. Um, and he's not even sure about the timing. He, Alan read it correctly, right? It's, it's about 34 years or earlier. 34 years or thereabouts is, is the English translation. Um he should know the precise details. The, again, there's no reason he would have had access to Bishop Henry's, uh, you know, 40 year, 40 year earlier investigation. He would have known the dating and, and that sort of thing, just like we have the precise dates with all the other letters and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, what about the external evidence test? So, first, I want to start with the historical circumstances quickly. So, we know that uh, Allen's admitted, so this is on the issue of, of bias. So, yeah, Bishop Darcis did have a bias. Um, plus, he has an established motive because in the Christmas, in Christmas of 1389, uh, his church collapsed, the roof caved in, and a, uh, a window, a stained glass window fell fell down. This is very expensive. Um, so I think uh, in Bishop Darcis's memo, he, he's always um, castigating the, the Leary Church, saying, oh, because of avarice, they were greedy. But my honest reading is I think there's a little bit of projection going on there. I, th I think he saw how much money the Leary Church, which was separate as a collegiate church, it wasn't under the authority of him as the bishop. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a, a little bit of projection going on there. But what else do we have? Um, we also have historical documents that Alan's alluded to, and I'm going to cut this down. I'm just going to mention uh, one specifically. Um, so this, we have a letter from Bishop Henry himself. This is this is signed and dated, um, and it's written to Geoffrey I de Charny, the original owner of the Turin Shroud, dated May 28, 1356. And Geoffrey died four months later in September of that year. So 
uh, in this letter, Henry doesn't mention an inquiry, doesn't mention the shroud, doesn't mention a dispute with Geoffrey the first at all. He's saying he's saying I'm totally satisfied with everything you're doing, um, and he gives his. I'm not going to read the Latin, but he says we praise, ratify, and approve of the the goings on in the Leary Church. Um, so yeah, there, there's no mention of an inquiry. Uh, are you going to say it just happened? Everything all happened uh, within four months before Jeffrey died. That that sounds very ad hoc to me. I, I don't think that's plausible, and this makes it suspicious. The the guy who Darcis is saying did the inquiry in his own letter has nothing but good things to say about the Leary Church and Jeffrey the First Descharny. Um, now, there's a bunch of other documents, and I promise, Alan, I'm not going to go through each one of those. But it's it's basically a bunch of between Darcis, the King of France, and the anti-Pope Clement the Seventh. Um, I just want to mention, again, in none of these, there is some waffling back and forth with the Pope where he says, okay, we'll call it a likeness or representation. Um, and then he sort of flip. you can't get money, then he flips and says you can't get money. So there is, it's obvious that the Pope is playing politics, I think. I don't think he, he knows conclusively either way. And certainly in none of these other seven letters, there's no mention of an inquiry or uh, an official inquiry or the memo itself being uh, mentioned um, specifically. So, yeah, I think we have, in total, we have a lot of reasons to think that, that we shouldn't believe this as historical evidence. Um, we should be very skeptical of using this. And that's my take. And I'll, I'll turn it over to Alan just to give a short follow-up and that will be the last word I'll shut my mouth and we'll move on to the next topic <laughs> so promise <laughs> yep <laughs> lovely well, okay well um, just a few points um, I have to say this I'm going to say special pleading I have to say this um, I mean, you don't know the motive of um, uh, Darcis. Uh, we can't know that. And uh, I think I've hinted at before, there's a heck of a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes here that we don't know about but are hinted at. Um, and all we've got to go on are the actual letters. Now, one of the things you said is that um, the, uh, the we don't have any um, evidence um, that the, the actual letter was sent in other words within the um, uh, paper records we don't have that yeah. uh, fine well that, this is this is the middle ages you would you won't have half the records I've done in the last year let alone what would have occurred in the middle ages and interestingly one of the um, the articles that you provided mentions that the Pope was in uh, had received some kind of um, uh, uh, letter from uh, potentially the, the Chinese, but we don't have any record of that either. <laughs> so, so clearly, it doesn't mean anything that um, that that um, that there are incomplete records on all sides. Um, um, also, given you've seen the size of this. Uh, particular letter and, and um, you'll see a full copy of it um, in the links um, Darcis has gone to a, a, a great deal of trouble to actually create this thing um, and, it, and he seems to be really pretty angry um, and it is showing up he's, and he's sticking his neck way out um, 
is 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 saying to to the Pope that he should do something um, uh, about the the uh, Dushanis who are family members of the Pope, um, right. and he's going to the King as well. And so, it, it, you know, if anybody was to find out that this guy was lying, well, th there could be major repercussions. So, so. It, it, there are, you know, there's, there's, there's the, um, there's the finger of truth, or the, 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 the look of truth about, uh, in my mind, about a lot of the things um, that he is saying. Um, I, I, I don't, so I don't think you can't wish it away. <laughs> I'm afraid it's there. In fact, even if it, if it never even got sent, it wouldn't matter because the, the points that are raised within it are establishing a date. Um, and, it's, and I think that most Shrouders are most concerned that he is saying that there was uh, somebody that created the Shroud. But, but the most important thing about this thing is, is that is the amount of people who think think it's a fake, and and with all um, all uh, fakes, they are all created by somebody. So you don't even need to say that this thing was created by somebody because it is evident from what everybody says. It's evident from what the Pope says. So everybody's thinking that. Um, it, it, it's just that, um, that, that Darcis is verbalizing it. So I, I don't think that's the, that's the, 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 the takeaway. My, my takeaway from, well, I think we're coming on, on to the uh, medallion next. Well, if we deal with that briefly, then I'll, I'll kind of finish off on, what, on my uh, considerations on this. So, so what we're doing is we're establishing a date um, which was approximately 34 years before uh, um, uh, 1389. Um, so that's where we're getting to. Um, we don't have any evidence of the um, shroud uh, being referred to by any of the people that we've been talking about prior to that date. Okay. So, um, Okay, so the, the, so, so I, I've, I've yeah. oh, or if you're not done, I was just going to say. So I, I promised you the last word. I do have things to say, oh. but I think people can find it in the sources. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Would, would, did you want me to respond, or no, do you no. want to move on? No, no, no. I think we've got move to move on. on. Okay, okay, cool. So I'll, I'll just say for the listeners, there are. The things that Alan's raised are addressed in, in my sources, um, so look at that. And also look at Alan. Alan's provided his own sources as well, so I think that's great. Uh, look at look at both of our sources and decide for yourself on that, because there are responses that I know of to some of the things Alan said there. So, so yeah, uh, we'll move on to... So this is the second piece of evidence that Alan's hinted to. This is the one I, I personally think is, is the weakest. It, I don't think it established... It's not even... Uh, anyways, yeah. Um, so this is the pilgrim badge, or there's this medallion, and I'm going to leave that to uh, Alan to explain to us. Yeah, uh, it's it's not proof uh, really at all. It's it's just backing up um, what's been said previously um, um, in the in the Leary uh, documents. So so. What's happened is that um, exactly as Darcy has said, um, the, the, 
the, the Shahnis are interested in making money by um, uh, setting up the, 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 the relic as a tourist attraction. Um, and, it, uh, and, it, and it's part of the, the, the pilgrim um, um, uh, um, it's part, part of um, the, the pilgrim route that people go on uh, and they go to go to um, the, 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 the Leary uh, Chapel and they uh, pay their money and as a souvenir of one of those visits they get a piece of metal which is about five inches by six inches and it contains a front to back image of a head-to-head -head nude man which is the shroud um, it is also the, the, it also has on it the family coat of arms of uh, Charney and Divergy. Uh, Charney being the, the husband and Divergy being, being his wife. Um, so what we have here is is um, something is that is produced as a result of. Um, the, the setting up of the chapel and um, uh, and uh, having the uh, relic um, presented to the uh, general public, as it were. Now, the medallion uh, goes into you know it, it, it's quite detailed. Um, it has the, the herringbone weave on the on the uh, cloth. It has the, uh, the front and back images. Um, so we have two images of a, of a man, um, uh, the front and the, and the back on it, um, and we have the connection, direct connection to Lurie because we have uh, the, um, the coat of arms of um, the Charnies. So it is very, very, very good evidence um, that, that what Darcy was saying was correct. They are they have set up to make money out of the uh, out of the uh, out of the shroud. Uh, interest, interestingly, somebody has said that because um, um, uh, the Dashani. Um, uh, 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 the Shani's family coat of arms is on the left-hand side. That he was probably alive at the point at which this thing was cast. Yeah, so, I'll be mentioning that. Yeah, okay. It's a it's a limit. So it's probably. So we're, we're talking about it being thirteen. 56, 57, you know, it's going to be really early. Um, um, yeah. it, uh, I, mean, it, I mean, there is a, there could be a question mark there, but it, it, it is there. So all, all the medallion is doing, you know, this is the first time we have an uh, undisputed um, um, archaeological evidence of the shroud. Um, at a particular point in time. Um, now, now okay. Dan, um, it, later on, is going to be talking about um, um, others, but they, they are definitely disputed, and I will be disputing them. Yeah, but in round you, two. you're going to agree with me here that this is beyond disputes. That it, 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 it's so it's so connected to um, to Nuri that. Um, it has to be. I have to say there was another uh, cast uh, um, found actually in Lyric. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, that kind of underlines it. So, th 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 there was a um, there was an ongoing production of um, of these um, badges going forward to make money. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I guess some, my take, Alan's absolutely correct. So uh, the first time this medallion was discovered in 1855, um, this this medallion that he's talking, this pilgrim's badge that you would receive, um, was found in Paris under the uh, Pont au Change Bridge uh, that crosses the Seine River there. Um, and I would agree, although I'm going to be questioning it just for my own purposes quickly, uh, but um, it bears an unmistakable reproduction of the shroud. Uh, there's that naked body uh, front, and bo uh, front and back. Uh, even the herringbone weave of the cloth is there as well. Um, and it has uh, both Geoffrey de Charny and Jean de Vergy, the coat of arms. Um, so this is why we can get the date. So because they're both there, we know that it has to be, this medallion has to date from 1349, which is when they were married, uh, to 1356, before uh, Jeffrey died, because under the laws of heredity, uh, they couldn't have the... Um, you know, it was the custom of the time. They, they couldn't forge the medallion with his coat of arms after he was dead. So it's, it's got to be from when they were married in 1349 at, or sometime before September 19th, 1356. That's when this these medallions would have been made. Um, so, yeah, that, that puts this is definitely supporting evidence, it seems. But I don't think it goes as far uh, as Alan wants. I mean, no, no one denies that um, the, the Descharny family was... Uh, showing the shroud and making money off of it. That, that's completely uncontroversial. Um, no one denies that. So, but it doesn't support the, the controversial claims that there was this inquiry going on and that, they, that the artist uh, confessed to having faked it and, and cunningly painted it um, or that sort of thing. And that, that's the controversial. And not, I don't care that, of, of course, they were showing the shroud and making money in the 1350s. No, no one denies that. Um, so here, here's my main argument. So this will be a quick one. And, um, in the first place, in the first place, I just wanted to ask Alan and keep it short, like two minutes. Um, how do how do you know? And I, I'm on your side. I agree. You're absolutely right. This is a depiction of the shroud. But for the sake of argument, how, how do you know that this is a depiction of the shroud as opposed to some some random a random other relic or something? Yeah, um, and and it, it could be said that I mean, if it wasn't for the coat of arms. Um, you could assume it was representing a number of different things. We, you couldn't be absolutely certain. I mean, the herringbone pattern is, is helpful. Um, but, um, yeah, no, uh, the, the, uh, it could be representing a completely different person, uh, possibly not on a shroud at all. Um, there's no way of knowing that for sure. So it's, it's kind of a, a, an accumulation of all of the bits of evidence that... that that are coming up with. I mean, but without the, without the um, the, the coat of arms, um, you could argue it, but you couldn't actually be absolutely certain of it. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure it is, it's just um, you have to have quite a number of things. And I think on that front, you. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think on that that front, you you've done good to mention so that in isolation, this this evidence isn't isn't convincing at all. I think you would agree with me on that. But it's it's it well, being used as something else that we haven't mentioned, and, and that is 
why wasn't there any uh, anything like the Leary medallion before that? Because it isn't as if um, um, uh, if you try to to argue the point that that the shroud was in existence prior to this point. Um, why don't we have um, medallions going back See here? a couple of centuries prior to that? Here's the thing, though. Like, David does this to me. I have points. Like, I'm going in order. And, like, I always... People always... I give the first one, and then, like, David will... And, and this is fine, but I'm saying, like, you'll, you're raising my next point. Like, <laughs> I was going to get there. I just didn't have a chance. I'm going out, going in order, if, if that makes sense. But... Okay, so so just just before we, that's a fair point. I, I think you're right to raise that. Um, but just before we get there, so what I was just going to say is that in isolation, this this evidence isn't good enough. But you're using it in the full context of the memo, and it's it. This is supporting evidence. Is uh, great. Okay, cool. So so now in your great question. So here's my thing. So Alan makes the claim that this is the first depiction, and I think this is begging the question. We we. It's not the case that you can prove this is the first uh, depiction uh, of the shroud. I, I think that's an assumption based on you know the memo and that sort of thing. You're taking that as valid evidence, and then you're reading that in here. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I've mentioned things that I think might be depictions of the shroud: the Prey Codex or the Justinian coins from 692 A.D. So, I think we have to be careful about. Just going, yeah, it all, it all adds up. This, therefore, is the first depiction, and that proves that the shroud is medieval. Um, as to why, why wouldn't there be any medallions prior to prior to this? Then, um, and I, I did address that in part uh, two, I think, where there where there's a gap in our knowledge, right? Because they. For a long time, they were keeping. Once the shroud was taken from Constantinople, under the historical hypothesis, the speculative hypothesis, right? Like it was illegal to both from the Pope and the King to show and profit from relics that were stolen from Constantinople. So this is why we would expect them not to mention it. it there's there's this gap in the record. They they hide it and that sort of thing. And only once the historical circumstances were appropriate. Did they then start showing the shroud and, and making money? So um, that that's sort of my explanation. It's historical speculation. Uh, it, it's certainly plausible, but I, I can't, you know, give definitive answers as though I know why. It, you know, why did it vanish from the, those years from Constantinople until the 1350s when it was starting to be shown? Um, so yeah, uh, that that's my take really. Okay, um, and obviously you'll be talking a little bit more later on when you're considering all these other evidences commas, that you have um, for um, the child existing prior at this point. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so I think we can leave the memo at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Car carbon-14, the big, the big baby. Uh, the one that everyone's been waiting for, I think. So, so yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, this is Alan's uh, third, just for the audience. So the, Alan's third, and in my opinion, the strongest, and I, I think you would agree he, he's, uh, quote unquote, this is the slam dunk case. This is what convinced him when he was uh, pro Shroud in the 80s. Uh, once he heard about this, it was done. Uh, the, the Shroud's a fake. Uh, so this is the 1988 carbon 14 dating, and I'll turn it over to Alan to present his case first. Okay, I, I'm not going to go into the description of what common uh, dating is, although yep. um, in the links you'll see um, a few articles uh, um, on um, carbon dating and how it works, etc. So um, do have a look at that. Mm -hmm. um, what I would say is um, that it's um, at, at the time at which we were, the, the, the measurements were done on the shroud, um, the um, uh, radiocarbon uh, accelerated the mass spectrometry uh, was in its infantry. Infantry. Infancy. infancy. Um, infantry. <laughs> Come on, Alan. <laughs> I'm falling apart now. It's, it's a Saturday <laughs> morning. So. For three hours. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my speech is going all over the shop. Uh, Dave, right. you're going to have to delete all of this. Yeah. Well, it's up to um, David. I, <laughs> <laughs> I need a drink. Right, so... Uh, um, so uh, the Oxford radiocarbon accelerator units is the only radiocarbon lab in the world that specializes in archaeological work, uh, particularly the dating of bone. And over the past two decades, um, the ORAU has seen a boom in the number of samples coming into the lab, reflecting the increased use of radiocarbon dating in the archaeological context. In 2001, um, uh, ORAU the lab had only dated approximately 10,000 samples since its inception. Um, now the lab dates about 2,500 samples every year. So, um, so not only... So this is the, the, the gold standard of dating thing, isn't it? There are less than 5,000 years old. I mean, it, 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 it's radiocarbon dating. Um, and... and uh, Despite uh, a number of uh, shrouders trying to suggest that it doesn't actually work, uh, most people do accept um, that it is an uh, it is an accurate um, uh, way of, uh, of dating things. Um, so, really, that, that that's all I've got to say with regards to uh, carbon dating. Except that um, I, th I think the there is some question on the on the protocols um, that we needed to address and I think that on uh, Dale's side and other people uh, have been asking about um, the way that they came with the protocols um, for the carbon dating. Now originally um, it, the protocol was to have seven um, laboratories involved, um, not all of them AMS mm -hmm. labs, um, to, to, you know, to, to use a different method of, of, um, of carbon dating with, with, with different labs. Uh, the problem with the other type of carbon dating was it needed more material than the AMS uh, type. Um, but they, they did set it as uh, seven. They also wanted uh, two um, uh, sample uh, sites, um, uh, not just um, not just one, and they wanted blind tests um, with the with a cloth. Now. Um, this had been kind of agreed 
uh, between the people that are come up with the protocol and that would be the way that um, uh, that it is um, uh, dealt with and um, but um, it, from 1978 from the point which um, Sturp uh, had got in touch with uh, Harry Gov, uh, who was the guy that, that developed the AMS system um, it took 10 years to, to, to get an agreement with the church um, on, uh, on, on doing the actual um, C14 uh, uh, tests and uh, when it came to the end um, the, the, the church um, disagreed with the findings of the, of, the, of the group that had been set up and decided to issue their um, uh, views on this um, and what they think ought to be done and they, they specified that only one sample should be taken and that the, the number of labs involved should be restricted from seven to three um, th their rationale being that <laughs> you're going to take one heck of a lot of, of, of the shroud and burn it and <laughs> we'd rather like to, to have it as, as, as a small amount as possible so these decisions were taken um, I just, um, do you mind if I just quickly interrupt yeah. not to ask anything right but just to back up what Alan's saying here he, he, he is absolutely correct and what's funny what's ironic is they actually destroyed more of the shroud the 75 milligrams more than would have been uh, destroyed if they had stuck to the original plan. So uh, it's, it's ironic that um, they ended up destroying more in, out of concern to destroy less. But yeah, sorry, sorry, Alan. Go. Yeah, I, I know that when they, they cut, I, I'm not sure of that. I, I knew when they cut the actual sample size, they gave Arizona two <laughs> lots of. Yeah, there's of, there's still a sample. Uh, yeah, out I, there. Yeah, and, um, and and actually, I had some, had some, they had some left over, yeah. uh, which um, they later they. Was able to go and test again, um, but not not well on the C14 basis. But we'll come back to that a bit later. Yeah. So yeah. So um, uh, the, the 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 seven labs went to the Pope and argued their case, and yeah, they were they were just um, told that um, uh, that Turin was in charge, um, and so uh, they were the ones that specified. Like they, 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 I mean, the choices of the, of the labs was okay. I mean, they, they thought they were the best in the world yeah. Yeah. and probably were the best in the world. Yeah. Um, they decided to, to have um, um, uh, just um, the uh, British Museum to, to control it all. Well, there were supposed to be three um, people controlling it. Um, and again, I, 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 there was... Nothing really wrong with that. I mean, the, the, the main problem, as we've seen afterwards, is the fact that they only chose one uh, one particular site. I mean, that's the, the reason for seven was an overkill anyway. The, the only reason they went for, for seven labs was that if there was an, uh, an outsider, um, uh, you know, uh, anything that was outside the, the, to the range of the rest, then they could easily just ignore that. Um, uh, and, and go with the rest. Um, no, as it is, because the the, the 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 results were so close, they didn't need seven, as it turned out. But, but 
um, you have to assume uh, that the um, that the one piece they took uh, was representative of the whole uh, class, which given all of the other things that they were, the, the, the details they went into to, to do that, seems reasonable. I mean, they, they, um, they had textile experts picking uh, a piece of the cloth uh, to, and to look out for uh, any reweaves or a, a, any splicing in the new material that the, the material was the same as the rest of the material on the cloth. Um, so they did quite a bit of um, testing um, on that. Um, so, I mean, there shouldn't be any major issues with regards to it. But also, um, not only did they uh, um, produce um, uh, data for the, the samples from the shroud, um, they also had three control samples as, uh, as well um, that, that, uh, that they knew you know, the, the full provenance of. So not only did the individual labs have to uh, agree with each other on the shroud, they also had to agree with each other on the other three samples and get the date right of the other three samples. So it was quite a bit of a test, really, for them to do and when they passed in flying colours, they did actually do that. So um, Harry Gove was, um, his particular lab was kicked out of the, um, of the list of uh, labs that, um, he, had a, he has a lab in the Rochester and that was kicked out. Um, so his nose was out of joint um, from that. Um, but he did actually go and, and see uh, the test being carried out um, uh, in in Arizona, so uh, and she was impressed, and the new right away that um, that they nailed it. So um, anyway, so uh, over to you, uh, Dale, with your comeback on the, the negative side of this. Then. Yeah, sure, uh, and great job, uh, Alan. I, I thought that I liked hearing your case. I think you did a good job there. Um, and so just to start my case, so I'm going to try my best because I've got so much. I've got like 20 pages of notes on the carbon. 14 alone, so I'm not going to be reading that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so just to make this as quick as I can. So in the first place, I want you guys to remember. Remember, Alan is the one making the claim. The way we he's claiming that the shroud is medieval. Okay, how, how do you know? Well, one of the ways we have this carbon 14 date. So I was I was happy with uh, Alan's presentation because he didn't um, mention too much about you know attacking a neutron flux or or you know the invisible reweave uh, of which I. I would have just said, you know what, great, I don't care. I can just say I don't know because I'm not making a claim. I'm just trying to establish that the carbon-14 dating, for whatever reason, we can't rely on them as to as with regards to the actual calendar age. So uh, that that's going to be my main main goal here. Um, so just just a couple first notes because I know Alan took issue um, with my presentation of Harry Gubb um, in part one, and I did want to back up. So so here's here's one issue that I think Alan will will agree with was was problematic. The f the first one. Alan, you, you have Harry Gubb's book. Um, whether justified or not, I, I think you will at least agree that Harry Gubb did, I, I portrayed him accurately, he hated Sterp and he was largely responsible for having them removed from the, from the process in 1988. Is that correct? 
no. Oh, okay. Um, he, um, although he had his own views um, on Stern, he, he thought um, they were a good line uh, to the Cardinal yeah. um, because they had the contacts. So uh, he didn't want to rock the boat too much there. No, it looks, certainly from his side, he's saying that um, the church, and obviously he's, he's looking at it from the way he, he views the particular Stern team, but he thinks that that um, given um, what uh, had been happening with Macron, um, the church thought they ought to distance themselves a little bit from 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 Sturp. Um, in fact, they were the, 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 you see they distanced themselves from Sturp. They distanced themselves from Harry Gav. Um, what they were doing is saying, no, we're the ones in charge here. We're the one calling the shots. You have to uh, to to, um, to dance to our tune. So um, I, I I think we're going a bit too far to suggest that he was actually the guy that that, um, that got them kicked out. I don't think that's that's true. Okay. Well, I, I would just suggest, uh, um, yeah, like his book's out there to read because I I do think it's true. Learning about the some of the letter, the, some of the behind the scenes. Now, you're absolutely right. This isn't about attacking personalities. So, okay, so so Alan disagrees. That that's fine. I, I do think that he was instrumental. If it wasn't for him, Sturp would have been involved. Uh, irrelevant though. But here here's the point that I wanted to raise. Sturp originally, even as Barry mentioned, had 25 other tests planned um, as part of this uh, 1988 examination. The carbon 14 would have just been the 26th. Um, and I gave that quote. Here's Harry Gubb himself. I believed Sturp's members to be so convinced it was Christ Shroud that I was determined to prevent their involvement in its carbon dating. If that were ever to come about, I feared the most important measurement that could be made on the Shroud uh, would be rendered less credible by their participation. Fortunately, in this, I was successful. Um, so here's here's one of the issues that angers me the most is he's... He's preventing scientific progress. I mean, the more data, the better. These 25 scientific tests would have answered a lot of questions that we had from STIRP-1, including ones related to dating. They, they had three tests uh, on the pollen. You like to talk, you know, Max Frey did a lot of work on the pollen. I, I assume by the pollen you're talking about the the stuff by Max Frey and not... Sorry? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm talking about the not the more recent. Which was not not the start one, which was it's the one prior to that. The gotcha. So so um, so yeah. Yeah. So so they had follow up research on that. That would have been definitely helpful. Or they were going to do research. Remember those Pontius Pilate coins? Right now, that's a class three evidence. I don't. I wouldn't use it. Imagine if Sterp was able to get in there and uh, do some more detailed testing to see who knows what we would have found in regards to those coins. Also, they were planning on measuring the isotropic compositions of the cellulose. So that's helpful in distinguishing between European and Middle Eastern created fabrics. Um, so, yeah, the bottom line, not, not attacking personalities or anything like that, but would you at least agree, hey, the more data, the better. It would have been great if these other tests were not prevented from, from being done. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, I, I think one of the things that you'll have noticed that um, that um, Gav would have complained bitterly that, that they were um, 
wrecking the shroud by sticking gum all over it, firing X-rays and UV, and and uh, that, that perhaps some of that may may have, have, have got to the ears of, of um, um, the church. Um, it, clearly, the, 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 those things are not going to be perfectly, you know, there's, there's, there's talk of um, um, Adler having to wash off the gum from the, um, the, from the fibres with toluene uh, in order to do the tests. And so that it, it's kind of like, uh, ironic that, um, that um, he didn't find any paint particles after he'd washed the fibres. Well, yeah, duh. But I'm uh, kind of like, but they were having to do that because they gummed up the works. You see, that's the, that's the thing. It's so, so there was some sort of question mark there as, as to whether or not they needed to do anything more than doing the C14 test because that... All on its own is, is, there, is a thing that's required um, to, to know whether it's a fake or not, which it was. Yeah, that, that was. It, it didn't need any other tests. Okay. And what other tests would have would have done with regards to? I mean, I don't see why not. They couldn't do it. I got a lot after that date, okay. once they'd already passed the um, the uh, the C14 test. So I, I I don't know what was going through the minds of is it Canella? It's Canella, isn't it? it was the, yeah. Science advisor um, um, to the Archbishop. Yeah. So what what was said? I don't think we're we're party to, so we don't really know that. Uh, so yeah, you can complain about it, um, but I don't. I, I I think it's a bit too far to point it uh, to to suggest that Harry Gove was the guy that that, that was the evil guy behind it all. I think the bit that you were quoting there was. Where he'd just come in and had seen what these guys were like, and that was his assessment immediately. But it actually dragged on for ages, as you, you know, as I say, this thing dragged on for years and years and years before, it, before yeah. they made a final decision on, on it. Okay. Um, so anyway. So yeah. Um, again. Uh, so that that quote actually comes late later on. It, uh, in the early days, you were right. He he wanted to use Sturt because they had all the contacts. But from my reading of what went on, uh, forget about the background. It, it, this is okay. So that's our personal opinions, and, and I don't want to focus. I want to focus on the substance, substantive point. So that that was the point that these twenty five other tests would have been better from a purely scientific standpoint. Um, now, getting into the carbon-14 then, um, we have to remember, so this, this AMS carbon-14 technology, in terms of the wider scientific community, uh, Alan's alluded to that it's totally uncontroversial, it, everyone accepts it, it it's, it's case closed type deal, but that's not what I found in the, in, from the research I was able to find because we have to remember this was relatively new technology. It was just invented in the late 70s. I think 1977 is when Harry Gov was the co-inventor of the technique and it was competing with other uh, new carbon-14s. There was gas proportional, there was liquid scintillation, and then there was the accelerator mass spectrometry which is what uh, Harry Gov um, was the co-inventor of and what was used specifically to date the shroud. Um, so I 
I just wanted to give sort of a, in the first place, sort of a general uh, take. I, I looked at various scientific uh, and archaeological experts. They're secular. They're not. They don't have anything to do with the shroud for the most part. Um, so, so yeah. For for example, in New Science in New Scientist magazine, this is an article published in 1989. They did a detailed study. This the study was done by the Britain's Science and Engineering Research Council. I mean, that's a credible body, uh, and they compared the accuracy of 38 carbon-14 labs. Uh, not all of these were AMS, but it included AMS in it. Um, and they tested this using artifacts of known age. This this was their final conclusion. Quote, unquote, the margin of error with carbon-14 dating seems to be as much as two to three times as great as practitioners of the technique have claimed. Of the 38 labs investigated, only seven produced results that were um, that the organizers of the trial considered to be satisfactory. Um, Murdoch Baxter, who was kind of commenting on this particular study. He's the director of the Scottish University's Research and Reactor Centre at East Kilbride. Um, and he basically said, look, um, related to the, because the carbon-14 scientists attributed any anomalies in the results to measurement error, they as opposed to systematic error. They just assumed it, it's got to be measure, measurement error. So he, he was saying this, well, Look, it is now clear that other unaccounted for sources of error occur during the processing and analyzing of the samples. The AMS labs uh, were way out, even when dating samples as little as 200 years old. Um, Here's uh, Dr. Robert Stuckenrath. He's one of the early pioneers and world's experts in carbon-14 dating specifically. Um, and he was asked, so the context of this is nothing to do with the shroud, but he was asked in, in an interview to comment about the usefulness of carbon-14 in dating archaeological artifacts. Um, and he says, well, look, the date of a sample whose provenance is in doubt is worse than useless. It's misleading. Now, I think that's an exaggeration. I, I, I don't take that literally, uh, to be fair. Um, okay, what about an archaeologist? Uh, here's a secular Middle, Middle Eastern archaeologist, uh, someone that I'm going to be mentioning when I get to the direct contact hypothesis, Eugenia Natowski. So she is involved in the shroud um, under direct contact, but she says this, in any form of inquiry or scientific discipline, it is the weight of evidence that must be considered conclusive. In archaeology, if there are 10 lines of evidence, carbon-14 being one of them, and the carbon-14 conflicts with the other nine, there is little hesitation in secular archaeology to throw out the carbon-14 date uh, as inaccurate due to unforeseen contamination. Um, I'm, I'm getting to the end, but... Um, Science News. Uh, they also interviewed, did an interview uh, with several carbon-14 experts. This is just immediately prior to the 1988 uh, carbon-14 dating test, and, and they were asking specifically uh, these scientists, well, what, what do you think of the, the carbon-14? Is this going to be solve all the problems? And here is their collective conclusion. So, quote-unquote, grave concern that the AMS technology used to date the shroud is not yet ready for the task of 
dating the shroud, largely because of the proven spuriousness of the readings from small samples. And there has been very little testing of linen. So, so Alan mentioned that they test, they were known for testing at that time, they were known for testing archeological artifacts like bones or, or leather I've seen, but there was very little to do with linen, uh, the properties of linen at the time the, the test went on. Um, so, so yeah, they basically Dr. Garmin Harbottle was one of the scientists interviewed in Science News, and, and he mentioned, look, each substance has its own peculiarities when attempting to carbon date it, and I wish that linen cloth was better understood before the shroud is dated. Um, and I, I promise, Alan, I'll, I'll let you speak when I get when I finish off the Trondheim report. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, we have a 2004. This is a peer-reviewed science journal. It's secular. This is the Journal of Research of the National Institute of Standards and Technology, um, and they thoroughly investigated the carbon-14 dating and, and its relation to the shroud. So uh, basically, I have a quote here from Dr. Lloyd A. Curry. He says this: "Quote unquote." A wave of questioning has followed of possible artifacts that could have affected the carbon-14 result. The question of non-contemporaneous organic matter uh, on the shroud from things like oil, wax, uh, smoke, tallow, um, etc. Uh, over the ages, the effects of such can be a very serious and complex matter in relation to the shroud. It is deserving of a new quantitative investigation for the impacts of possible um, for measurement impacts on measurement accuracy. Um, so this is going to be my last point in general, um, but I have those three other arguments after you're done, but I, because I'm talking so much, when I finish the Trondheim, I'll, I'll give Alan a chance to come back, but then remember, I've got those three other arguments to go. Okay, so uh, quickly. Um, also, the carbon-14 labs, uh, originally there was five. Before it was seven, it was first five. So this is in 1983. The STIRP scientists were still involved, and they were a little bit uh, concerned because of the relative newness of the AMS technology, and they gave it a test. Um, so they gave them two samples of known historical age at first, and all the labs got the first sample correct except for Tucson. Tucson seems to, uh, they, they messed up the age by half the known age. Um, on the second sample, all five of the original labs got the dates wrong. Um, uh, sorry, sorry. Out of they did a total of eleven experiments on these two samples. Six out of the eleven, all five of the original labs got the date wrong by more than half its known age. So, uh, Gov and them they switched in a third sample to try and make up for this this problem. Um, and what were the results with the three samples combined? So, a total of seven out of seventeen results uh, came back with all five labs getting the date wrong again by half its historical known age, just like what happened with the shroud. Um, so this this is kind of an answer to Alan because he was saying, well, if, if they got it wrong, why did they all get, get it wrong in the same way? Well, this proves that that can happen if they're, if they're for whatever, for various reasons, as I'll get into. Um, so yeah, I, I that's my take. I'll, I'll before I go into my three specific reasons as to why I think the carbon fourteen in nineteen eighty eight was wrong. Uh, I just want to turn it over to Alan for about about carbon fourteen in general. Uh, what do you okay, mean? Well, no. Um, so let's go back to the um, the the, the, the nineteen eighty eight 
uh, test. So this is 10 years after the, um, the, the, it was first proposed to use um, um, C14. So they'd, they'd had actually got a bit of, of um, water under the bridge by the time they actually did do that test. When they did, they had an unprecedented number of samples that they, 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 they used in this particular uh, uh, test. Um, and um, sample one was from the shroud, sample two from linen from a Nubian tube of the 11th to 12th centuries. Um, sample three was linen from a mummy of the early 2nd century uh, CE. And sample four was from threads removed from the uh, cope of St. Louis d'Anjou, uh, dated to 1290 to 1310. There is therefore no question that the shroud is not medieval. Uh, that, they got it, those things absolutely right. So not only did they agree, they agreed on the dates. And not and not and also the shroud came up with a date bang on the um, the historical information that we have with regards to um, the, the, the memo that I've I've just read out. So everything that we had on that was 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 a, a, a confirmation. Now um I've forgotten one of the things you said there, but the, the um, with, with, with regards to yes, yeah, so, oh yeah, well, so a couple of things. Um, the first thing you said was a new scientist. Um, uh, it was a it was a. Um, uh, a study of 38. Uh, yeah, New uh, Scientist is not a peer-reviewed journal. Correct, and one correct. One of things that, um, that uh, on Physics Forum, it says, is New Scientist credible? I would not trust anything I read in New Scientist. So, right, in, in general, I've never trusted one sort of anything except peer-reviewed, da 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 Anyway, but... Um, Wait, so I, 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 that contradicts... Special, uh, you, you said you would never trust... Okay, sorry, go, go ahead. The other point is that uh, with regards to, no, I'm not an expert on COVID-14 days, I'm just saying that um, with, with regards to contamination issues that you, that you raise, yeah, there are, with carbon dating in general, um, there are issues that you have to take into account, uh, and you've got to be able to clean the um, um, the, 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 the samples uh, to, to remove as much as possible of any possible contamination that you have. Each of the labs use their own methods of cleaning in order to to, to eliminate as much of that as possible. But the but the underlying thing is that. Um, with regards to the shroud, we've only got two dates. We've got 1350 and we've got AD 30. And there is no amount of, of, um, of uh, stuff gunk that you can have on the shroud that is going to bring it from 1350 down to 30. Um, um, somebody was saying you've got to, you would need twice of the weight of the of the shroud uh, as pollution in order to be able to do that. Well, th see, this is the problem. What what you're trying to do is to is to is to throw question marks or, or, or create question marks to say that the whole thing doesn't work without realizing that. It, ha it, it even at the, it's worse. It has to partially work, and there is no way that you can get to an AD 30 date. 
There isn't. So, right. so all the, and, the, and that's why all of the the, the, the suggestions that have been made um, uh, as to why the, the C14 uh, dating could be incorrect have just been thrown out. Now, you will also know that, 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 that the, the head of the Oxford lab, uh, currently Chris Ramsey, um, uh, and is uh, um, uh, said clearly that that he doesn't think there's anything wrong with the uh, with, with the data. He had nothing to do with this. But he was, I think he was a student at the time um, the original dating uh, took place, um, and, and he said that um, no, there's, there's, there's little chance that that, that could be wrong. Uh, the same goes for. Um, uh, Joel, Tim Joel, who was um, who is head of the um, Arizona lab, who's head of the uh, who's doing. The, um, I'm sure whether it's head. I think he might have been head of the lab. They can't see any problem. There's uh, nobody um, that uh, in any of the other labs thought that there was a problem. Nobody in the peer um, review process thought there was any problem. Um, the the, the uh, the, the, the analysis of the dating has been uh, confirmed by other by somebody else um, using Bayesian analysis of all this. Um, so, so there's nothing for me to go on other than a few people suggesting that this thing doesn't work. But as I pointed out, there are there are thousands and thousands of, of, of um, tests being done on an annual basis. If there was a problem, it probably would be radiocarbon, uh, the, um, the, 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 the journal of the industry, or, or perhaps even, uh, in nature. So uh, I personally haven't got anything to go on because there are so many people telling me that no, it's perfectly okay. So, <laughs> okay, so... Um, if Barbara thinks the, the oh, you're probably going to mention the chi squared bit. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, that's my three. Yeah. So we're going to go with that one Okay, so no, I, I do want to give a counter here. So in the fir first place, though, th this is why I, I did really hard work to identify. So you're absolutely right. That's not a, a peer review. Not all of these sources are peer review, but they they are interviewing qualified secular carbon-14 scientists. I'm, I'm not just quote mining. That's why I, I got like nine different quotes. I, I'm trying to mention the context of what's going on. Is it an interview? Is it a study? I, are, I, I gave quotes that are talking about it in general. I gave quotes that are talking about it from an archaeologist perspective. And I gave quotes from experts that are talking about with regard to the shroud itself. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm raising questions but I think they're valid ones because uh, I, I haven't I didn't quote any pro shroud um, people at all here and I, I've done my best to, to give the context um, you know I, I gave uh, sort of the general sources of where I'm getting this what one of those sources that I gave was peer-reviewed remember the, that the, the 2004 paper um, but so yeah so yeah I, I think that it's worthy of questioning and looking into it. It isn't the case that oh, all the scientific community and carbon fourteen experts unanimously said, "Yeah, this is great. This is this will work. This is foolproof," and that sort of thing. I, I think I provided like nine or eleven quotes there. I didn't even read all of them, but 
Secondly, um, in terms of all the proposals, that's not true at all. And I've got quotes here. I wasn't planning, because you didn't bring up neutron flux at all, but uh, just just generalizing from this, it's not true. They didn't. They used the same standard in all three of the labs. How do I know this? Because Harry Gov uh, himself tells me. So and I, I was doing this in the context of you know neutron flux. So if, if there was neutrons, right? There, there are certain contaminants that could become bound to the linen. It doesn't matter what pretreatment you do, you're not gonna get rid of that uh, carbon-14 contamination. Um, and you know, Michael Tite, Edward Hall, in a, this is from an, when they did their announcement back in 1988 at the British Museum, they, uh, they were reporting to some, giving quotes to some reporters. They, they said this, quote unquote, it is certainly possible if someone gave the shroud a large dose of neutrons, for example, uh, to produce carbon-14 uh, in the linen cloth, it would thereby give a false date. Uh, Dr. Robert Hedges, he he was one of the carbon-14 scientists that was involved in the 1988 uh, dating, and he admits that, look, if there is a sufficient level of neutrons, um, and he says not nearly as much as others have supposed, so what he's referring to there is uh, Thomas Phillips. He wrote a peer-reviewed journal in the journal Nature, the same one that you have the carbon-14 results, and he was saying that the results are not... Um, he was basically defending that, look, the shroud could have been irradiated by a neutron flux, and that would invalidate all of the scientific results. He, Tom Phillips is at Harvard University, the high-energy labs there. Um, and Dr. Robert Hedges, one of the carbon-14 scientists himself that did the dating, backs him up and says, yeah, look, a sufficient level of neutrons, um, but it's not as much as Phillips suggested it would be. It would only have to be an increase of 18%. This um, would completely invalidate the carbon-14 events that they um, they got. And he goes on to say, look, this, this neutron flux idea was known about as a possible contaminant by all the participating labs, but measures to mitigate such a contaminant were ultimately dismissed. Um, they, they didn't even they didn't take the proper procedures to address this type of contaminant or, or other enhanced forms like carbon monoxide that, that John Jackson goes for. Um, it's, it's also, there's been scientific experiments that it is known that various hypotheses can get the date from the first century to the medieval lab. Uh, for example, the Isothrace radiocarbon lab in Toronto conducted tests. Um, and they did extensive, not just the standard pretreatment, which is what the car, the 88 labs did. They did extensive pretreatment processes, and they found that there were certain contaminants that once they had become bound to the linen, um, so uh, you know over the centuries the carbon 14 would become bound to the linen, and especially if it was in a fire like the 1532 fire, that accelerates this binding process. Um, it doesn't matter what you do; you're not going to be able to get rid of that, um, even in, even with extensive pretreatment cleaning processes. Um, so yeah, I, th I, I think in terms of that on general, I'm and again, I, I don't have to argue for a neutron flux. I can just say I don't, I don't know, but here's a, a possibility: uh, it could be carbon monoxide, could could be some form of contamination or, or something like that. Um, but I just wanted to establish: look, this is plausible and. The carbon-14 scientists themselves are admitting, look, we, we all use the same standard. I, I had a quote of Gov saying that they all use the same technique, but I can't find it in my notes. So, I'll, um, yeah, 
I want to get into my three things, um, but just do you have any, I'll let you have the last word if you have any comebacks on this in general yeah. thing, yeah. In, in general, it, I feel like I'm trying to defend the fact that the Earth is round. <laughs> so who thinks it's flat? I can't, the, the, the weight of the scientific establishment um, is suggesting that um, there isn't a problem in this particular area. What you've got to do, I mean, yeah, fine. Yeah, let's see these these articles in Radio Carbon, um, uh, peer-reviewed um, in the specialist uh, uh, magazines on it. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I'll so, but reference. What, 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 but, but, but the main issue that, that, that constantly gets avoided here is that it is not a question of whether or not you, know, that you can trust um, the C14 data, you have got to get the C14 data down to exactly AD30, exactly. So, so in, in the case of the um, uh, of the uh, neutron flux, um, it's possible to, to have a date that's future of where we are now, yeah. depending on on how much we're, we're talking about. So, the, 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 so. It, 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 it doesn't matter what the, the type of pollution is, it has got to be able to get from from um, 1350 to 30, not from 1350 to 720 or 430 or any number, but exactly, or you know, within the, the, the environs of, uh, of AD30, and you can't get that. Okay. And so, yep, I so, agree. So that's that's the you know. It's only part. It's not just a case of trying to to, to, to muddy the water or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, just to say the whole thing just doesn't work. Um, well, it's still, as we can see from the from the tests, they're consistent. Um, and therefore, you've got to to say, okay, well, they're not coming out with random results. They're coming out with specific results. And whether or not um, uh, it's uh, you know, you, you, for some strange reason, they've come out with a result that agrees totally with with what from the information they have from history, and sure, and in reality, there is some kind of strange device that's going to get you exactly to AD thirty. I mean, that is what uh, Bob Rucker is suggesting. Mm-hmm. You see, that uh, he's saying that yeah, he can get you exactly to AD thirty. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and I'll I'll just say before before moving on to my final part, so my three arguments against specifically the carbon dating that was done in 1988 for the shroud. Um, Alan Alan's absolutely correct that nothing I you know it's me sort of poo pooing on the carbon 14 and raising these doubts that that doesn't establish my case that the shroud uh, goes back to 30 A.D. Um, now, I'm not trying to do that here. Remember, in this case, this is why I'm adamant that it's Alan making the claim. I, I'm just saying that we can't know it's medieval. It, it may very well be medieval, but I'm trying to attack we can't know that it's medieval based on the evidences he's giving us. Um, so, yeah, in round two, the shoe's going to be on the other foot. There, I'm going to be trying to make a claim and see if I can push this thing back 
uh, to the 6th century, and gosh darn it, even to Jesus in 30 AD or 33 AD, whatever you believe. Um, but that's that's not, I don't have to do that here. Um, so I just wanted to make that clear. You know, the, the Shroud could indeed be medieval, um, but the main point I want to get across is we can't know that. The evidences presented are insufficient for us to know that it's medieval and, and make a claim. Um, so with that, okay, funny, how, how do you defeat this carbon-14 evidence itself, and let's get specific. So um, here's my first reason, um, and each of these reasons are sufficient in and of themselves, I think, to have no confidence in the reliability of the carbon-14 in terms of it reflecting the actual calendar age, whatever that actual age might be. Um, and it, Alan admits, look, they, they only took one sample. And here, straight out of the gate, I, I have to apologize to the audience and to Harry Gov and to Alan because I, the way I presented it in part one was sort of misrepresenting. You know, I, I sort of made it sound like, oh, it's all Harry Gov's fault that they went from seven labs down to three and uh, the three uh, different sample location areas down to just the one. And Alan is absolutely right that that wasn't Harry Gov's decision. Uh, as we'll see in a moment, he was outraged about this, and this is what's going to help my uh, my case, establish my argument here um, from a letter that we have from him. Um, so yeah, I, I do apologize on that front. Um, just understand, I wasn't, I was never trying to misrepresent. I, I was reading all of the background about Harry Gov, so that kind of got me in a bad mood against him, and I, I do blame him indirectly and here's my reason why because when he was trying to get rid of Sturp um, he threatened to quit over the location of a meeting being held in Turin versus uh, Rome with the Pontifical Academy of Sciences because he felt Turin was in the pocket of Sturp um, he threatened to quit for, for just the location of a meeting he should have done the same here. He should have said, look, my scientific integrity says I won't do this. I'm not going to date just one sample. That's not going to produce credible scientific results. So I want more than one sample. So this is, I indirectly blame Harry Gov, and I think that's what I that's what was going through my mind but the way I presented it was absolutely wrong because it sounded like it was his idea his master plan and I do apologize for that but anyways so so everyone admits that there was this single sample um, it, okay so what does that prove that the carbon-14 is unreliable uh, well here's a quote from William Meacham and he was at the 1986 he was talking about this and he says look no responsible radiocarbon scientist would claim that it was proven that all contaminants had been removed and that the dating range produced for a single sample was without doubt its actual calendar age. Okay, uh, great. Well, he's an archaeologist. He's not a carbon-14 scientist, and plus he is a pro-shroud guy. Harry Gov hated, the, hated him when he was making this. Okay, uh, let me quote Gov himself. So here's Gov's quotes. Um, so he says, with, with regards to the one sample contamination problem, first of all, the piece that was removed from the shroud was divided among the three labs and came from one specific spot only. If there were some reason why the carbon-14 content in that piece were contaminated, it's inaccurate. All of the labs used the same cleaning technique. So this, okay, so this is what I was looking for before. They didn't use different techniques.
techniques. They used the same cleaning technique according to Gall, um, which did not account for various embedded or chemically bounded and or enhanced forms of contamination. And if there was some kind of contaminant not taken care of, then it would give the same answer to all three labs and all three would be wrong. Going on to the single sample issue. So this is coming from his letter. He's, he's upset that this change of procedure has taken place. So this is the context of where I'm getting this quote. Um, uh, so he, he's saying, look, it would be irresponsible of us not to mention that the modification in the procedure proposed here uh, may well lead to absolute failure. Um, the new procedure uh, suggested um, is bound where uh, seven labs down to three and three locations down to one is bound to produce a dating result that will be questioned in strictly scientific terms by many scientists around the world who will be very skeptical of the arbitrarily small statistical basis for our testing, i.e. the one sample. The use of a single sample is ill-advised as it will not generate a reliable date, but will rather give rise to world controversy. So th this is, I'm quoting Harry Gov here, I'm not uh, quoting him out of context. If, if I am, hopefully Alan will, will correct that a bit. Um, now, I, I was going to move on to the sample being non-representative, but uh, did, maybe we'll, yeah, do, do you want to butt in on the single sample issue maybe now? And No, I, obviously, what Gerber's trying to argue the case that they really had to have more, have more sample size and um, agree with the protocol that they'd set up. So he, he, was, he was trying to support that, um, the, the rationale for that, because you know that that Gov was absolutely um, certain that the the um, the uh, results of those tests were accurate. So um, uh, he was there, and, and uh, the um, Arizona one, and he said, "Yeah, that's it. They, that, they're they're spot on." Um, so the question, uh, again, I keep saying the question of whether or not there is any contamination. You, you know that uh, Timothy Joe, professor at uh, Arizona, had a, a, a piece of the of the area of the cloth that was tested left over, and he, he did tests on it um, um, back in 2010 to see whether or not it was um, representative of the uh, of the rest of the class and whether or not there was uh, um, pollution as in cotton or dyes etc and it didn't come up with anything so so I, I, you know I, I, I see that that what's occurring here is is to try to make a case that against both scientists view that carbon 40 um, doesn't work and, and there are yeah, not here. There isn't any doubt that that um, that under certain circumstances you're going to get the wrong results with with uh, carbon fourteen if you've got some kind of pollution. I keep saying the same thing over again, but it doesn't get you to AD thirty, and we also have the agreement with the historic date. So, so on a probability, there's no such thing as proof, as you know, within science. Yeah. We're not talking about that. We're talking about probabilities. Um, so, with regards to the the, 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 the C fourteen tests, um, they, I think we can be fairly um, uh, happy with um, with what we what we have. And as you know, um, um, 
Professor um, Ramsey also thinks that having looked at the tests and having done tests with carbon monoxide to see if that could affect um, the C14 results of the, the type of pollution. Nothing, couldn't find anything at all that um, would do it. The same occurred with um, um, uh, the, um, the the sheen uh, produced by bacteria. Couldn't find anything on that either. So all of these things that they looked at, well, they, well, they can't find anything. So it's 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 kind of like, well, yeah, well, okay, we well, can say that, but. You know, um, yeah. No doubt at all. I'm, I'm sure what they want is more than what. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's without question. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will back up Alan here because I, I don't want to create the false impression that oh well, carbon fourteen is just garbage in general. It's totally useless. Of course not. Um, it is in general a good a great tool to use, but. Not it's not it should never be the sole arbiter, um, and you should understand the problems about it. Can I ask you a question here? Sure. If if um, the um, the carbon fourteen test had come out with first century date, would you be questioning the fact that only one um, piece of yes uh, cloth? Would yeah, well, <laughs> well I, I do. I remember I mentioned those carbon those carbon fourteen dates that dated it to thirty AD, like you want, or seventy AD. I don't accept those. Yeah, um, well, I, I, okay, we are, hopefully we're not going to go into that. There were, we're were not, no other carbon fourteen tests that were done. Um, this, so, there was a talk that um, a, a lab in California had done it. It was. Well, it's a lie, basically. <laughs> okay, well, you're, you're, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I, I will admit I'm trusting um, people that I I know that have, uh, you know, you you saw the video, Gary Habermas, right? G Gary's told me about well, that. There so there was you... only one. There was only one lab that could have done it. The guy that was the head of the lab said he didn't do it, and the lab wasn't capable. Well, okay. the lab couldn't have done. Without, they couldn't have done the, the the test with the amount of material that they um, that they had available. So it, it, it's just not true. The threat. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to stand corrected on that then, because I, I that isn't something that I look too hardcore into. I I admitted to you and Tyler and them that yeah, I, I'm sort of taking Gary's word for it. He he knew the researchers that claimed that, so I, I was going by it as sort of a not as a proof of anything, but just sort of a, a tactic to go. Well, don't be so hasty with the carbon fourteen because look at this. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to stand corrected if you're saying that it's actually not true because I learned the hard way. I remember the gospel uh, the gospel of Mark uh, thing. So trusting trusting someone is never always uh, the best way to be. But going back to the actual 1988, this is the topic of the debate. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll just say so. I don't. I'm not uh, trying to be unfair and and say carbon fourteen is totally garbage but there are issues of 
in general about the reliability and contaminants there's always a question it's never a slam dunk and i've quoted extensively from secular carbon 14 scientists secular archaeologists uh including um people that were involved in the carbon 14 themselves um so yeah okay so i guess harry gov is, is i don't know how to say it he's, he's lying here for a certain purpose then when he says that it it will not generate a reliable date you have to see, yeah but that's he didn't mean it that's not really true um so okay uh, i'm skeptical if, if he's proven to be like a liar that lies for his own ends um I, how do i know i can trust when he says oh i'm confident it's uh it's it's a slam dunk case certainly christopher ramsey believes it's reliable believes that the dates were correct but he would not go as far as Harry Gov. He denies that it's a, a emphatic slam dunk case. He does admit that, you know, as, as Gov said, they didn't test for enhanced types of contamination. This is why Ramsey is open to the carbon monoxide contamination hypothesis. Um, and you you did get into the location being non-representative. So, um, I mean, it, it, I, I, I've got to. Uh, this wasn't the only thing where Gov commented on. Um, um, contamination and the, the if there is a type of contamination that cannot cannot be removed by cleaning um, then yes I mean there would be distortion of the C14 so fine yeah so and, and, and you understand there, this is this any evidence a of the of, of this particular pollution that, that's supposed to be there um, but as I say, you keep coming back to the problem. It doesn't even matter what what the pollution would yeah. possibly be. Yeah. You, all you're going to do is get a different date from the one that came out, but it isn't going to be 1830. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, that that's and that's that's what the experts are saying. This is why there's this sort of hesitancy because this the shroud's provenance isn't totally known, and and it is there is scientific evidence uh, proving that it's not a represent there is some kind of contamination or something i i don't agree with barry that it's an invisible reweave but he's he's provided those peer-reviewed papers by ray rogers i suggest you check them out and if alan has counter sources check those out as well because i i think that hypothesis is improbable but apart from a patch there are other ways that a portion of a cloth can be non-representational to the rest of the cloth so you know, Alan hinted upon the fact that there's cotton fibers found, and, and Barry mentioned that as well. Um, so he, he denies that. Okay, um, well, what about the blue quad mosaic image? So this is, I think it's in part two podcast. It's called, it's the source called Weighing All the Evidence, page three, if I'm, if I'm remembering properly, that this was a multi-spectral device was used, and they showed that the image where the, uh, you know, reflecting the chemical composition of the surface of the shroud in the area where the sample was taken from, it's, it's colored blue. It's very different. Uh, you can see the picture right there. It's different from the rest of the cloth. Uh, additionally, ultraviolet fluorescent images were taken by Dr. Vern Miller, and it shows that this region is visibly darker in that spot where they took the sample compared to the rest of the cloth. Um, also, Dr. Alan Adler, uh, on a chemical level, has, has done various things, uh, tests, and discovered 
there's a water stain in the area and, and there's starch or salt um, as well. So here, here's what he says based on a chemical analysis as opposed to spectral. Quote, unquote, there's far more salt in the radiocarbon sample fibers than the water stains on the rest of the shroud. That is because in the water stains, the, the water uh, hit and the soluble salt started diffusing out into the cloth. Um, they diffuse without limit until they stop diffusing. But if you look at where the sample, the carbon-14 sample was taken, it is quote-unquote bounded. Uh, it is a bounded water stain. So that means that all the soluble materials diffuse until they hit the edge, and then they concentrate there in the edges. So uh, the radiocarbon fibers have a different chemical composition from the non-image fibers of the body of the cloth. Therefore, you have the right to raise the question, is this a representative sample? It doesn't matter whether you think you have an answer to that um, or not, it is not a representative sample. So that, that's Alan Adler's quote. So yeah, I just wanted to, to raise, and this is among other, you know, wax, uh, tallow, that, that's another major contaminant that Harry Gov himself said, yeah, I looked into the microscope. There, it, it, it seems to be there is this contamination of, on that level as to whether that can explain away the carbon-14 results or whatever, or, or just play a contributing factor, perhaps, in the contamination. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I have quotes from Gov himself admitting that he's seen certain contaminants in, the, in this area. So it's, it's just not true that it was pristine, totally clean, and they removed, they were able to remove everything, and it was a, a pure dating result. There's a lot of unknowns with the Shroud's history, and there are knowns, I, I think there are some knowns, that suggest this sample is not representative. There's, there's an area of doubt uh, here on that. Uh, do, now, Alan, do you, do you want me to move on to Rutgers or let you respond to the non-rep? Because I know you already sort of said, said stuff. No, I, uh, uh, John Jackson said that the, that the, um, the banding that, that, that goes through the cloth um, sh showed that, that the, uh, well, this is to do with, with whether or not uh, any new pieces have been added, um, shows that that couldn't possibly uh, have occurred, but of course you don't, don't think that that's a yeah. viable thing in, in any event. Um, a close-ups of the actual particular area um, taken don't seem to suggest, it seems to suggest that the, the um, material is uh, similar to other parts of the cloth and not represent, uh, and representative of, of other parts uh, as well. Um, but with all of these things, I'm coming back. Well, there's, there's the, the amount of uh, pro shroud people bleating on about this has, been, has gone on for, for, for decades, right? And it's yeah. obviously all, all of this is just to try to to to, to rubbish the the, the, the C14 day because they don't like the answer that that, that it gives. Not because they did they they have, have actually uh, think it, uh, that there is a, a major problem. They, they all disagree with each other as to as to why it's a problem. Sure, you know? and and that but that's it's that's fine. Right? Kind of a, so there's an agenda going on here. But, like, but there's scientific agenda. there's scientific data um, that that needs to be accounted for, right? It, it, it's this the. the, the Results or scientific findings don't care about the person's bias or whatever. Um, so, 
there are still these findings that suggest, look, there, there's something going on here, whatever it is. Me, me and Barry may uh, quibble about, well, is it a neutron flux or is it a, an invisible reweave or is it, you know, John Jackson, carbon monoxide or, or whatever? Uh, um, is it a biocontamination layer? Um, that, that's fine. That's what science is about. We're allowed to disagree. We don't have to have one. We're, we're not on a team. Like we, we, no, we're no, but, but you're not scientists. This is <laughs> true. I'm not. Radio carbon scientists being the ones that are actually uh, questioning all of these things. I, I mean, it, it, it's all very, very well. Um, people coming up with, with ideas. Uh, in areas they're not particularly um, uh, experts in, um, in order to, to come up with cunning plans. I know there is amazingly cunning ideas, and you're about to mention one with Bob Rucker. There's amazingly clever ideas as to why things um, uh, aren't correct. And wouldn't you believe it? The thing I want to believe the most, that's the one that these things all point to. It's with the neutron flux, right? Like, so I, Thomas Phillips, he's a carbon fourteen expert. So the article is called "Shroud Irradiated with Neutrons." This came out in 1989, months after the same thing. It came out in Nature. The that's the journal that Gov Gov's results came out in, right? Michael Tite and, and all the carbon fourteen scientists, number three thirty seven, uh, page five ninety four. Um, so but we, but hang on, just a second. We, we have agreed that certain types of pollution will have an effect. And yes, neutrons, by their very nature, are going to affect the nitrogen to C14 um, movement, aren't they? So, yeah, that isn't the, the issue, though, is it? You're talking about the, the nitrogen. Is, you can say that. So, where are these neutrons coming from then? Yeah, magic. <laughs> that's that's my that's my. Well, I, I yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm not. I believe in supernat the supernatural. But uh, yeah, um, okay. Uh, but still, it's it's. I guess what I'm I was trying to get at is look at the end of the day we have scientific credible scientific results. I mean, the same people that you're saying here are are, are just biased. Are this largely the same ones that were involved in STIRP, but they can still have credible. Uh, findings and, and an instrument doesn't care about your religious bias. So I, I just want to be careful that, um, you know, we don't just dismiss everything people say because they're a Christian or because it's even, even if it's not peer reviewed, I wouldn't say you just ignore that. Obviously, peer review is by far way better. Um, but peer review is not the be all and end all. Obviously, we have. Uh, peer-reviewed journals that contradict each other that that come out right so um, yeah be, be mindful of that but you know don't don't dismiss these results I, I don't think it's made up no, but, but you can be gullible and that's uh, it's the you, you if you look at some um, uh, Julio Fanti or, or uh, uh, Bob Rucker or, or Rogers, 
cunning plans to 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 get the data to say what they want. Sure. Um, and and by by missing out the most important information, they can present something that looks credible, but if you look a bit closer, it isn't. Yeah. So and you know if if you this is pseudoscience and you know stuff that Barry was talking about last week. Some some of these guys are going out of their way to to produce um, uh, false information. They're not even. I, I I know what you're saying about the the, the, the instruments, but but if you point, it's what you do with the instruments that's important. Okay. Yeah, for I, the conclusion. A few references, but we're, no doubt we're going to talk about that next time. But um, uh, so. I mean, with this, I guess onto the record, perhaps we might be able to bring this to an end because. Yeah, but I, I just want to say though, like, absolutely, Alan's correct, right? Like, the when it comes to interpretations of the data and conclusions, people can come up with ingenious ideas, and you got to watch out for that, right? That that's why it's good to see both sides, and I hope that that's kind of the point of having Alan on here to to do this discussion. It's, it's not just one-sided. We can get pro and con. We've both provided sources for people to look at. Um, so as as Barry said, yeah, you, you go out and decide, right? Like, I, not everyone on the skeptical side has to agree with each other. Not a, not everyone on the pro side uh, has to agree with each other. Um, yeah, go, go out and to the best of your ability, see what you can find by looking at the literature, understand the difference between a peer review and non-peer-reviewed work, uh, understand the bias of where these people are coming from um, on both sides. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, try. you are responsible for what you believe. You try your best to come to what you think is true um, as best you can. So yeah, going, going on to Rucker's statistical analysis. So this is another Basically, Rob, Rob Rucker, he, he's not the only one, right? You understand, so I know you referenced the 1994 chi-square analysis, I think it was, where he, um, what was his name, Chris? Um, anyways, he, he backed up the, the 1989 published results from the 88 testing. But the problem is, after the fact, we got more data. We found out they didn't just take 12 measurements, they took a total of 16, and they averaged out the most troublesome aspects because when you do a chi-square analysis you need to um, where is that? you need to come up with two sigma level of difference which is equivalent to a 95% degree of certainty this is a international secular standard according to my understanding uh, this this is what you need to get in order to claim your results are reliable the problem is when you factor in all of the the data, unfudged, so to speak, uh, you actually get close to three sigma, and, and this means we have less than a 95% degree of confidence in these results. That, I mean, when you when you factor into the fact that, look, there's a, a 200 a gap of 255 year range um, for the samples taken in less than five centimeters from each other on the same cloth. This is problematic, and it's it's suggestive. Uh, Rutgers calculated it out, and it, it's there's a 98.6% chance that there's systematic bias going on. 
Uh, the carbon-14 scientists assumed, without justification, they assumed, oh, well, the, the reason for these uh, outliers is it, it's measurement error. Um, but given all the data, we've, Rucker and others, so it's not just Rucker, we, I'm including articles by Remy Van Helst, who's done uh, similar um, work, Professor Beanie of the University of Geneva, uh, statistician Brian J. Walsh has done an, his own analysis on the statistical end. Um, so yeah, it's not just this isn't just Rucker's. He's he's Johnny come lately when it comes to these statistical type arguments, um, and and they all suggest that look, there's some kind of systematic bias going on. We don't know. We might not know what that is. Rucker has his idea that it's a neutron flux, and he's tried to come up with his way, as Alan says, to get it back to 30 A.D. Forget that. At, at, at minimally, we know that there's some kind of systematic bias going on, and this causes me to not have any confidence in the carbon-14 results, uh, at least based on what we have right now. If there's another dating result, maybe that'll increase if it gives the same results or something. But yeah, uh, that that's my take. Uh, over to you, Alan. With regards to, to the, okay, I'm not an expert, so I can't actually comment on um, the uh, chi-squared test. All I can say is, so have they um, uh, published that work? No. Uh, oh, uh, so no, with regard to Rucker, um, I, there might be, there might be something. I'll well, check the I'll others. I'll say is, is that, I mean, with, it, it, if, um, we're, we're not getting feedback from um, the people that are closest to the actual uh, data itself. Uh, I believe this is only related to the Arizona um, lab, and, and not specifically to the other two labs. Um, the, 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 from whatever comments have been made on this, whatever happens, you're still going to be getting a, a medieval day with this. Um, use this um, to support his own um, uh, cunning ideas on on uh, on how you can get C14 testing back to AD 30. Right. Um, so he 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 wants it to be partially wrong. <laughs> that's it. that's the way he's he's looking at it. So I, from my point of view, I, I, all I can say is, well, I, I I can't just take your word for it. I I do unlike. Etc. Actually, um, depend on the best experts out there uh, in the planet, because uh, I am not an expert on all of these things. So it, it's great that you come up with all, uh, the, the lots of our uh, buts, but so do flat Earth um, enthusiasts. Yeah, but that, that's why you got to look look at their. What they're doing is they're just ignoring what the established ideas are. And this is what I want to believe. This is um, the way I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the, the information. And I can prove positively from that that the Earth is flat. Well, yeah, so, so step one, where they were going wrong, was to, to, to deny the, the scientific establishment's view. So uh, it, it, it's, it's the first thing you should do is to, to actually, okay, uh, they can be wrong. But they know an awful lot more than we do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, 
isn't it strange that we only get to um, uh, hear about their views when the, the results of the, of, of, the, uh, of the establishment views is, is contrary to what they want to believe? And that's exactly the same with the shahad. I, I, you know, um, what can I say? Uh, that's not the, fair, the, the, right? What evidence we have is pointing in the wrong direction. Let's let's come up with some new evidence then. I mean, that, that's uh, people listening to this. This is what they're going to be thinking. Yeah, but, uh, but that's what so, they're doing, right? Like it, it's entirely fair to question the scientific establishment. Um, Obviously, you know, is it? I'm trying to remember if it's Kuhn or, or Pop or Karl Popper that talks about you know the scientific paradigms and that sort of thing, and you know how you have major shifts and that kind of thing. But obviously, the scientific consensus is there for a reason. It it should it should never be o easily overturned. Um, but at the same time, it can. You should be open to the fact that it can be overturned. And these guys are presenting good da scientific data. Uh, and arguments worthy of consideration, at least. Um, and, you know, it, there are enough secular establishment scientists backing up that, look, not everything they're saying is, is rubbish. No, this is part of the reason, and I know Jim, Jim's not a, a statistician, but um, still, he, you could hardly accuse him of being biased. He, he agrees with you that you know, it, it'll still be medieval, even if it's in the 1100s to four, somewhere in the 1400s, if we take the, the 16 things, right? Um, so by no means am I saying, well, there you go, it's proof that it, Rucker's right and it goes back to 30 AD. We can't do that. Um, but there's an, based on what we know, we shouldn't have confidence in the results that's going out. And, and this is why you've got to evaluate the, the claims. Is this rubbish like a flat earther's arguments or... Is there something well, then, here? Then you've got to, you've got to take it to peer review. There's an example I haven't yep. mentioned it where um, uh, Ray Rogers has, uh, uh, had a, a peer-reviewed uh, paper published in a very good summer chemical actor, and there's another article rubbishing everything that that he said and saying it's pseudoscience, and that's been published in the same journal. Um, uh, now, yeah, you can get, you can get, so you, you can attack somebody else's work and get it published, so why don't these guys do that then? Fine, get it published. Right, uh, yeah. I, they do, uh, they, they do, right? And, and the same, remember Thomas Phillips uh, in Nature Magazine, a few months after the, contradicting the 1988 results. So. I, yeah, I, I think it's good to get it into peer review. This this is something we should always strive for and prefer. Um, but just because well, something's I, not... I would say it's best to best in the actual... Um, it, it should be nature that this comes into because they're the ones that published the, the data to start with. But, but well, I mean, um, I mean yeah, Rob, so. Rob Rucker, though, like, for, for example, with him, he's taking the results that... They're, that they are giving. He's not disputing their measurements or anything, and he's applying a simple chi-square analysis. Anthony 66, he's got his PhD in math. He says, look, th this thing is a simple calculation to do. Uh, so I, I, I find it, it, there's no way Rucker would, and, and Jim checked it out. Uh, so you trust them, right? 
So the query would be, if this is such a straightforward calculation, and again, I'm not an expert here, yeah. if this is a straightforward calculation, mm -hmm. um, and if the, the data has, has gone through uh, peer review, it wasn't just the peer review within the magazine, of course, they, uh, they um, had it reviewed, the, um, the um, uh, British Museum had it reviewed uh, prior to um, publishing it. So um, there were a number of things that, that had already occurred, and somehow this wasn't spotted, and yet, you know, I mean, it's out there, and yet nobody's talking about it. There's, you know, you know I'm, well, why am I not hearing about it from any um, radiocarbon institute uh, uh, lab? You know, so I can only, start, I'm not, I am not in a position to to question these things, but I am expecting this to to be uh, robustly um, argued. I mean, when we talked yesterday about um, the Allen Hill meteorite and NASA suggesting that they'd found um, uh, a, a Marsh, Martian organisms, or potentially, and the, and the scientists came down on down on them like a ton of bricks. Yeah, I think something that doesn't that that doesn't uh, add up. Scientists aren't, 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 um, aren't shy of coming forward, so I am expected to see that. I'm not, I'm not seeing. I've seen um, quite a few. Um, scientists are shy. It can can be shy, right? Like they they need funding as well. So I mean, like they're, and it's also a matter of interest. I, I suggest proof of aliens is a sensational topic, whereas with religion, well, shroud, the shroud is a very, but the shroud is very niche. I mean, how many? Uh, historian, you, you said yourself, how many historians are, are going on about the Shroud and stuff like that? And you said yourself, look, there's only a handful of them that even care enough to to do this. I wouldn't expect to see an article by Mary Beard talking about the Shroud of Turin. She doesn't care. She's doing her own thing, right? So it, it's, we're getting into motivations and speculating as to why these scientists aren't all talking about this but the the, the fact is look uh, when you apply the same test the, this is the same test the 1988 scientists did they uh there's no i'm not trying to be insulting but they they did have to fudge the data in the sense that they averaged these eight results into four and voila they got the 95 percent degree of certainty that is required by these international standards once the uh all of all of the data, all eight of it came out, and you plug it into this. All of a sudden, now it doesn't work. Now you're close to three sigma levels, or less than ninety-five percent. That that's got to cause you to be like, well, you know what? I'm I'm not going to place my faith in this until I find out what was going on. It, it there is an amount of suspiciousness there, at least. Like, why why average it? Why average it at all? Just take the data that you get, all of the measurements, right? I don't know if that makes sense, but okay. Well, I mean, I can't. As I say, I can't. I can't argue the case one way or the other because I'm not qualified to do so. Fair enough. Uh, but you've made your case. So yeah, I'm happy with that. Good thing. Uh, do you want to mention other parts of the Bob Rucker's coming plan, or are we leaving it there? Uh, so you mean like the neutron flux? So how he gets? The, what do you mean the other part of his cunning plan? Oh no, the kind of cunning plan of how the um, the um, the uh, neutron flux affects the uh, C14 um, to uh, produce exactly the right um, 
movement in the um, in the data. Um, I think you've already done that. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I I purposely don't want to do that because I think that'll confuse. Like I I'm trying. I don't know if you noticed, but like I I do try to. I want to keep it focused. Look, pr pretend the neutron flux is all wrong. We don't even have to care. There are these. Alan's making a claim that the shroud is medieval, and he knows that there's carbon fourteen. And I'm raising that there are certain questions that, for me, make the evidence not convincing that we can prove the shroud is medieval. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. If I, if I want to argue for a neutron flux, maybe, maybe we'll throw it in in a future, future thing. But I think it'll confuse the audience if I try to do that. So I want to let's stick to what's here in round one. Okay, well, well, I think we can wrap up then, can't we? Yeah, yeah I think it was a, a great, great show. I mean, I appreciate, thank you once again, Alan, for, for uh, doing this. I mean, my goodness, it's quite a, uh, over three hours, beautiful. So an hour and a half each. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just getting started, guys. <laughs> we still got more shows coming up. So who's three and all that? Oh, uh, well, since I started recording, three hours, ten minutes, so. Oh, okay, fine. So, so yeah, no, I, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. I had a, a great time. I love the civility in, in this convo. We're, we're getting down to the substantial issues and trying our best to tackle, um, tackle the topic. So, you know, hopefully you in, enjoyed your time on the show. Absolutely, um, uh, except for the length. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll cut it down next time. Like, I, oh my gosh, I had fifty pages of notes prepared. I, I did like a fraction of of it. So yeah, there's a lot a lot to know on the shroud, guys. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, we haven't even started yet, Dad. I know. I know. Oh, man. See, this is why I need a podcast of like 20 parts. Just, um, But yeah, no, as I said, thank you so much for, for being on the show, Alan. Um, when, when, did you, when were you thinking for, for round two? Like, what's your schedule like? Did you I need some? Uh, um, I think I'm okay. Probably, actually, probably a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, same, same here. No, I wouldn't be able to do it next week. So. Um, since we've got two programs here, haven't we? There's no way this one's going to work in two, Yeah, but Dave, David's going to be posting it succinctly. Like, so, like, the, he'll post this up on Sunday, and then the next day this will be up. So it'll be done. In... You might delete a half an hour of it. So, um, <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah. I, I trust him with all that stuff. He gets it gets rid of all the, the garbage that I say. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, perfect. So, so yeah, in a, yeah, we'll look in a couple weeks. I'll, I'll email you for, for those interested. So finally, uh, pressure's off Alan. Now it's going to be on me. I'm going to have the burden of proof. We're going to be talking about, uh, again, it's related to dating. So I'm going to be talking about the art history and coins argument, which place it in the fifth or sixth century AD, the Sudarium of Oviedo, which I think is the strongest, uh, evidence placing it, uh, prior to the medieval period in the 6th century or 5th century AD. Um, and then also 
sort of a fluff. Like I, I wanted to put in a fluff argument for Alan, sort of comparable to how I see his medallion argument. Um, so that's the three physical tests. Um, Barry Barry mentioned that and gave a critique. He he mistake. He said there's only two. There's there's three there, um, but also the chemical test uh, that uh, Ray Rogers did comparing the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, that that's sort of my. That's going to be easy for Alan. I'm, I'm you know that's sort of not a lot of studies needed. Then we're going to get into. Okay, can I establish that it does go back to the historical Jesus? And Alan's got a bunch of historical inaccuracies, saying it can't be Jesus or can't be a first century Jew. So uh, hopefully he'll email me, you know, which specific ones he intends to present, and I can come up with a counter. So yeah, thank you so much for listening and uh, putting up with this long podcast. Uh, yeah, have, have a great week, everyone, and say goodbye, Alan. Goodbye, Alan. All right, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Dale. <laughs> Take care.